0: You ever hear something called double jeopardy? The state says you already killed your husband. They can't convict you of it a second time. That means that when you leave here, you can kill him. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. It makes you feel warm and tingly all over, don't it? It's over, Libby. You cannot know what it is like to sit in prison and think of nothing else in the world but your son. Did I make the right choice? I didn't have a choice. You ever arrest anybody you thought was innocent, but you can't prove it? Hello and welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, the only podcast awarded by the AARP Movies for Grown Up Awards for best pensive look out of a car window. Every week on This Had Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another, it all went wrong. The Oscar hopes died, and we're here to perform the autopsy. I am your host, entertainment writer Chris File, and I'm here with my co-host, senior writer for Decider.com, Joe Reed. Hello, Joe. Hey, Chris. How are you today? I'm very, very excited to talk about this movie. I'm very excited to talk about this movie. I have such distinct memories of this movie. And okay, so I think one of the things we should talk about, because when we were bringing this movie up and we were discussing options, this was one of those ones that kind of, we did a little bit of the double take of, wait, this was actually in the conversation for a minute.
1: Yeah, I've talked to a couple people and sort of gave them a little sneak preview about like what we're recording this weekend. And I've gotten so many quizzical sort of like looks and responses. We are talking this week about the 1999 legal thriller, legal thriller asterisk. There's a a lot of asterisks about the law in this (laughs) movie. I will say that we'll get into it. Uh 1999 thriller Double Jeopardy starring Ashley Judd and Tommy Lee Jones and Bruce Greenwood. Um and every time I would mention to somebody, oh yeah, we're talking about Double Jeopardy this week and they're like that had Oscar buzz and I'm like yeah it, it was a hit She had Oscar buzz. I always say like she did the movie didn't because like, that's a clear distinction that I remember. And so as I'm then watching the movie again to prepare and I'm doing my like due diligence and researching and whatever, and I get to the Wikipedia or the the Wikipedia page, the rotten tomatoes page. And it's like a solid 25%. And I was like, Oh shit. And then I'm like going through and it's very difficult to, to sort of Google search for old, Articles that sort of like mentioned passing Oscar buzz, like what we talk about here, the further back we go, the more fleeting and ephemeral it becomes. Where it's like a lot of this, especially when I started the Tumblr, I was like, I. I know it when I see it. It's all basically like shit I remember. And people are like, that got Oscar buzz. And I'm like, trust me, it did. (laughs) It's like, okay, you're
0: the boss. And this week for Double Jeopardy, it's one. I think this is kind of one of those real hardcore cautionary tales where I think the reason you get these quizzical looks from people when you talk to them that they're, we're doing this movie is because a lot of things in any given year can have some conversation around it that will not be remembered whatsoever years down the line. Because I also remembered this being in the conversation specifically for ashley judd's performance and part of it was because it was this huge box office hit whereas the you're talking about a mid-range thriller they usually the successful ones will hit the 50 to 60 million range and this was a hundred million dollar movie
1: yeah but i started to question myself and i was like was this only like one yahoo i heard like mention it in passing and i had somehow like internalized it in my kind of like you know college youth or whatever when like so many other things were going on and maybe this is one of those things that you've always thought was true and it turns out that you've always been wrong and i think i even like texted you about it and i'm like oh i might have to like apologize to everybody you sent me links but then so finally then i finally was google searching and sort of i literally was just like ashley judd oscar double jeopardy question mark And I finally came upon something. It was an old article from the New York Post from November of 1999. It's essentially just like an Oscars preview that like, again, I wish more of these were even more easily like searchable and findable because like these things are phenomenally interesting to to read with any kind of hindsight. And I wonder if part of it is like, once the Oscars happen, these things get burned because nobody wants to have this paper trail of them being wrong. But this is sort of like laying out the the field for the 99 Oscars and it's, you know, American Beauty is mentioned and The Sixth Sense is mentioned and The Green Mile and The Hurricane and then... Lo and behold, like, thank God, the paragraph hits where it says, they're talking about best actress, and they mentioned, like, Hilary Swank and Annette Bening, and they say, Double Jeopardy was such a hit that Ashley Judd has to be included in any list of possible nominations. It's one sentence, but it's good enough for me. I'm just like, I finally have, like, independent, and I wasn't reading the New York Post at the time, so that's at least two sources, the one that I can't think of now, and and this one. So, like. Even outside of those,
0: I would make the argument that, because this movie opened in September, yes?
1: Uh, Yes, it opened the same weekend as American Beauty.
0: Which is crazy. Which is crazy. That's so interesting. It won against the uh, Best Picture winner. Oh, I think it
1: opened the weekend that, maybe the weekend that American Beauty went wide. Or wider.
0: It was entering the conversation when the conversation is still new for what awards players will be at a time when Ashley Judd was kind of an up and coming actress. She has this major hit. So yes, this is just kind of how movies like this can come into the conversation, at least at the beginning when, you know, you read an article, like I remember some of those entertainment weekly uh, prediction articles that it would be a list of 20 different names.
1: Oh, totally. And some of them would just be, like, name in bold, and you would have to, like, sort of figure it out yourself. This post article that I'm reading was mentioning heavily Angela's Ashes. So also
0: shout out to Chris for your... Shout out to me! Every
1: time now I think of Angela's Ashes, I think, like, oh, that was Chris's horse back in the day.
0: Um, And you know what? Honestly, that it's almost a little bit shameful, because when I brought up that one as the first player, that is actually an Oscar nominee, so it would not fall under our rules. Was
1: it score? yes well, yeah that was the oscar nomination it got yeah interesting it's still that's still small enough potatoes
0: that i feel like we could fudge it, it um, wasn't to the extent that it was but it is technically an oscar nominee
1: double jeopardy also opened alongside jacob the liar and mumford Oof. both of those which opened on over a thousand screens which think about that that's think wild. about that people <laughs> so yeah so i feel like we're justified in talking about double jeopardy also it like let us talk about this movie, which is a deeply sort of odd and interesting movie from a few different angles. One of them being, as you mentioned, it was a huge hit. It was number one for three straight weeks, even if it was in the sort of days when the September drought was a real thing. Um, it didn't, again, it beat things like Jacob the Liar, but it also beat things like Three Kings and, well, Mystery Alaska, but whatever. Uh-huh. Um, random Hearts, like other, you know, other Failed Oscar buzz. Random Hearts, sort of starring
0: Harrison Ford and Kristen Scott Thomas, who were on the cover they of that year's Entertainment Weekly fall movie preview in a pool. Sure were yeah, somebody. So
1: I this was it. one of those surprise hits, and it was one of those surprise hits, and it was credited almost entirely to Ashley Judd. Like people liked Tommy Lee Jones' performance too, but I think the way that it was covered as a success was this is on the shoulders of this you know actress who we've been following for a while who. She had the hit with Kiss the Girls, and she had her sort of like critically acclaimed period where she sort of came on to the scene. She was, she started as this like, and of course, we can't like ignore the fact that like she is Ashley Judd. She is daughter of Naomi Judd, sister of Winona Judd, who were like famous country music uh, act throughout the 80s and 90s. And so she was always an interesting case as an actress because she always we always knew who she was because of that sort of like additional level of fame but so she starts out and it's like oh she's nothing like her famous family she is this really exciting independent actress she's in this movie ruby in paradise in 1993 gets a bunch of critical attention for it gets an independent spirit award nomination for it um she's in a movie called smoke in 1995 which was um, this was the Miramax movie, of course, like, you know, her long and terrible history with Harvey Weinstein sort of begins there. Um, but she like stole scenes in that movie and she got a lot of attention. That was the same year that she was in Heat, where she played Val Kilmer's girlfriend, wife, girlfriend,
0: Uh, girlfriend, I, I think. I haven't seen Heat in years.
1: Yeah, neither have I. It's been a while. Um, Really great performance in Heat, sort of, you know, all that attention is on De Niro and Pacino in that movie. And I think if you get anybody to talk about anything but those two in that movie, they're probably going to talk about Ashley Judd, because I think she's really great in it. Um, And then she's in A Time to Kill in 1996, playing Matthew McConaughey's wife in that one. The sweatiest movie ever filmed, I swear to God everybody in
0: that just looks like you can irrigate that movie. They're so
1: they look so hot and as like as a sweatbox. Like I have such empathy for everything that is going on with those actors in that movie. Um and from there she goes to she makes kiss the girls in 1997 which i think is her big sort of leading lady box office that was a box office success she's opposite morgan uh, opposite morgan
0: freeman it's the precursor and to this movie in a lot of ways in a
1: lot of ways yeah absolutely i think for a while there this became one of those sort of mini micro genres that sometimes happen where it was just like, well, we're just going to ride that hot hand until it stops. And it was Ashley Judd, older, authoritative male co-star, kind of a potboiler plot that either involved that usually involves Ashley Judd more personally than it does her male co-star. She's got more skin in the game. She's got, you know, in this case, it's a, you know, dead but not dead husband. Um, Kiss the Girls, she's a survivor of uh, serial killer of some sort um
0: abductor serial killer Um, so she she like she's the one that escapes and has to help find the serial
1: right she has the expertise she's been there before um so yeah so this was a genre that did really really well in the late 90s for probably a period of four years
0: she had three big hits and a couple of minor hits right and like high crimes, which came later, was not so much of a hit, but it's very much in this mold, kind of chasing what Double Jeopardy, especially, was able. Right. To
1: so yeah, this was. I think it's one of those interesting little pockets of of Hollywood history. History, you know, not that far long ago, but it's longer than we want to believe.
0: But it's. I think it's kind of also an example of the way that these conversations kind of start. You know, when it's someone who is catching a lot of attention, who's doing good in good roles. And then suddenly they have a hit. It at least kind of stirs the conversation for that person. Cause even if it's not this movie that we're talking about, I kind of believe in the concept of this person has Oscar buzz and Mm -hmm. we know somebody is going to get there eventually. You could just see how the conversation around double jeopardy might have, especially in an early season, when all of the things haven't been seen or
1: right. I think early fall is an interesting time period because that's when you start, your mind starts wanting to go towards like, Oh, Oscars is only in a few Oscar nominations are only in a few months. What do we got? And then, but those movies haven't arrived yet. And what you have is what's there in September and like early October. And you're like, Oh, well maybe this, and you sort of maybe jump the gun. Um, Double Jeopardy is not quite like that because like no critic was fooled by this movie. Like this movie was not well liked by critics, but she really was. She was sort of, I think of it a little bit like Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side, where it's like even the people who, I mean, that kind of Best Picture nomination, yes, but I think even the people who liked that movie sort of would admit that like, it's mostly that I like Sandra Bullock in this movie. Um, so... That was a little bit more heartwarming, and maybe that's why a movie like that has more success than Double Jeopardy. Where Double Jeopardy is this, as I said, I described it as a pop boiler, which I feel like is right. It's it's the sort of supermarket checkout novel
0: of, of thrillers, movie. and this one just happened to make a ton of money. Well, to. The point of talking about movies for Oscar when it's like you're looking around like, oh, what do we got at a certain time of year? We still do that in like different ways of, well, maybe this small movie can make it through that. Yeah. It's still going to need a really big push. Like I always think of Lily Tomlin and Grandma. who's Yeah. But it's this tiny movie.
1: I've gotten those like September beer goggles too, where it's just sort of just like, maybe this will work. Like
0: yeah, the optimism of the beginning of an Oscar season.
1: Right. You know, I like that. I like, you know, we have faith in things. I'd rather that than like excessive cynicism. I think that's one of the things about this at Oscar buzz. It's a product of like unbridled enthusiasm and like optimism for a lot of these movies is like, wow, that seems great. I can't wait to see that movie. And it's almost like Charlie Brown with the football, and that just like we're just gonna keep you know keep thinking that this is the time this is the one that's gonna work
0: and i'll I'll take it. We can talk a little bit more about this later, but while we're talking about how the buzz started for this movie it is I think worthwhile to remember that this is still the era of Tommy Lee Jones, who's playing up Op- mm. Judd in this movie, yeah, was still a few years on from his success with The Fugitive, where he won an Oscar for The Fugitive, and that was kind of the mold that he functioned in for about a decade. Uh,
1: The trailer leans heavy on him being like Tommy Lee Jones from The Fugitive. And in one of the uh, the reviews, one of the reviews is like, his best performance since The Fugitive. And I'm like, what, but not blown away? Um, And so, like, I think definitely they wanted to market it on something like that a sort of like you know thriller for grown-ups and hey you love Tommy Lee Jones and this thing you found him so sort of authoritatively you can,
0: I, I understand the people who at the time even though we think it's maybe a little crazy now that this would have been in the conversation you can understand maybe the logic because they're kind of piggybacking off of the fugitive thing
1: well and the public really liked it and sometimes you look at that and it's just like maybe they're right. You know what I mean? It's not this big, dumb blockbuster action movie. It's like, it's a thriller for grownups, as I said. And like, they don't always work, but like every once in a while you'll get a, I think you mentioned earlier, the client Um, offline, you mentioned the client or like, I mean, the fugitive is not a bad example in that like, you could see a lot of ways where the fugitive just turns into mindless, dumb, popcorn antics or whatever, right? Off of that plot. But because it's done really well and it's done in a way that like audiences really responded to, it becomes a best picture nominee, a fantastic little movie, little movie. God, to so give context,
0: we should talk a little bit about what the movie is about, what the premise is as to why it seems so silly now in hindsight that this movie had Oscar buzz, even for just a single player, and partly because I feel like we took this movie and what it was selling us way more seriously than we would now, because now it just sounds absolutely absurd.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So it is a law. as you heard in the trailer intro from queen Roma mafia, we'll get to her in a second, a second television queen, especially Roma mafia. Um, double jeopardy is the law concept that you can't be charged for the same crime twice. So, Ashley Judd is a wealthy wife and mother to Bruce Greenwood. They have like a yacht, this idyllic, like almost in Monterey, uh, seaside home. That um, they're very wealthy. Either way, they go out on their yacht. Bruce Greenwood is missing from the boat, and is the boat is covered in blood. Ashley blood. Ashley Judd wakes up from this to find this crime scene essentially and is charged with her husband's murder while she's in prison she discovers that he has faked his death and framed her for the murder and thanks to once again queen roma mafia who is in jail with her um she explains the concept of double jeopardy to her in that all she has to do is just get out of jail, and then she can go kill her husband.
1: Because she's already been convicted of it, and you can't be tried for the same crime twice. That's what Double Jeopardy means, says this movie. Which, it is one of the all-time great debunked movie premises of all time, I feel like, where I I sort of compare it to Jurassic Park, where it's like, Jurassic Park makes it seem plausible that you could just find a mosquito embedded in am- amber, and like get dinosaur DNA from it. And just like, yeah, that all seems obvious. And double jeopardy. I just think of like so many lawyers after the fact, were are like, that's not what that means.
0: That's not what happens at all. You can't just do that. That's what it means. She's, she's committing a different crime this time. Yes. So it, it yeah. doesn't make sense because technically he assumes this other identity
1: it's like saying if I got convicted of assaulting you would never, by the way, we're f- firmly in the realm of hypothetical and then went to jail for it. That's saying, like, I could just like assault you forevermore afterwards because I've already been convicted of that crime. That's not how it works. Right.
0: Even <sighs> that we think of as, you know, final like murder.
1: Murder's pretty final. I'll grant you. You don't know what medical advances are happening, though. The law's got to keep up with science, as far as I'm concerned. And if I, you know, can resurrect, then just... oh, everything's out the window, I guess, according to Roma Mafia. Um, she is so, I will say, every ticket bought to this movie, I feel like Roma Mafia should get 30%. Because she sells the concept of this movie in this trailer better than anybody else could. And she so- does it with such, like, Sass, where she's just like, "What is the phrase she uses?" Where she's like, "They can't touch you, like you could, you could uh kill him in the middle of Times Square, and they can't touch you." And and then she goes, kind of makes you feel a little tingly all over, doesn't it? And it's just like it's so, it's very much the work of a character actress who is like getting her moment in the movie, and she knows it, and she's gonna make the most of it. You know this actress. You might not know this actress by name. Um, she was on Nip Tuck. I think that's probably her most like significant role in terms of like getting to build a character. But like, she was a constant, recurring defense attorney on Law and Order. She just shows up in all sorts. What do you know her best from, Chris?
0: Definitely know her from Nip Tuck. I, mean, I think listeners, if we'll post the trailer to the Tumblr page, and the second that you hear, you're going to be like, "Of course, she's in this movie." She's one of those that actor peoples. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen her in everything. If you've watched a crime show ever, you have seen her and you have been like, she is amazing.
1: Also, this movie is full of those kind of actors where it's just like you don't know who Michael Gaston is by, like, name. Even Bruce Greenwood to a degree where it's just like Bruce Greenwood and Annabeth Gish are these actors who's just like, oh, yeah, I've seen them in a bunch of things. And you maybe don't know them by name. But, like, Michael Gaston, who plays the sort of local cop who arrests Ashley Judd, but is, like, sort of friendly to her, shows up in a bunch of things. He's in The Leftovers as that, like, possible, like, figment of Justin Thoreau's imagination who, like, is obsessed with the dogs the character actresses who show up in this, uh, my one of my favorites is Michelle Stafford, who is a daytime actress who is like hugely famous for The Young and the Restless, but is also right now on General Hospital. Um, is the woman with the cigar who is bidding against Ashley Judd in the Bachelor Auction in New Orleans, where Ashley Judd reveals herself to her uh once-thought dead husband. Uh, phenomenal in like that half of a scene. I think she's so good. Anybody else jump
0: out to you? Bruce Greenwood is a big one because Bruce Greenwood, I feel like, is always playing this character either completely evil or completely good. Like, there is no middle ground with Bruce Greenwood, but you've seen him do this performance a million times. It's weird because the other one that I always think who is very similar to Bruce Greenwood is actually the killer in Kiss the Girls. Tony Goldwyn, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They... They probably played brother. Were they the brothers in that Kevin Costner? um, No, that was
1: uh, Bruce Greenwood was Jack Kennedy. And the guy who played Bobby was the guy who ended up on Desperate Housewives married to Marsha Cross. Tony Goldwyn's interesting because now people most know him from Scandal, where he plays this like, you know, like sort of a bastard president of the United States. But like. We're supposed to maybe like him and maybe want him to end up with Carrie uh, Washington. And I feel like his his career has now solidified into one particular role when before like you maybe knew him as Patrick Swayze's sleazy best friend and ghost who tries to like seduce Demi Moore and then tries to kill her. But like even then you were just like, oh, he's just sort of in a lot of things playing mostly sleazy guys and also presidents. And also presidents. Right, exactly. Um, but now, sort of late in his career, later in his career, he's found that one sort of signature role. And it's great for him, but it's almost too bad because you feel like, oh, we've lost one of those sort of quintessential, hey, it's that guys.
0: But Bruce Greenwood makes up for a whole lot of, hey, it's that it's that guy for any one movie. Yeah.
1: So wait, so where did we leave off on the plot?
0: Um, that's essentially the thrust of the movie. Once she breaks out of jail, you get this great montage sequence of her training to just get out of jail and kill him for yes. whatever legal stakes will be against her because she has to, you know,
1: now she time. can come.
0: Yeah. Right. She was a typical white lady in an Argyle sweater before going to jail. Right.
1: Okay, so this movie very, very clearly reminds me of two other movies, one which came before it and one which came after. And I'm curious as to whether what, whether you know what ones I'm thinking of.
0: That came right before and right after.
1: Not right before and right after, but like the two movies that I most associate with the
0: plot of this movie as I'm watching this movie sort of play out. I mean, I associate them to other Ashley Judd movies because okay, find her brand was. I definitely think of Kiss the Girls and High Crimes. It's like on the spectrum of them, Double Jeopardy is in the middle.
1: I so clearly think of Sleeping with the Enemy yeah. with Julia Roberts and Enough with Jennifer Lopez. I love Enough. Because, me too. Absolutely my favorite of like the junky mid-2000s Jennifer Lopez era
0: all of the Jennifer Lopez trash it's great it's
1: a great talk about microgenres too um but i think both of those movies essentially were like good woman marries the wrong man marries this guy who who reveals himself after a long time to be a bastard and has to find a way to like extricate herself from these increasingly sort of like monstrous things that he's doing and, and enough the husband is abusive. They're, you know, the husband's abusive in both of those things. And this one, he's actually like a diabolical, like faker of his own death to send her to prison. Um, but all of them have this sort of like, gotta like train, gotta get skills, gotta figure out how to like, you know, set up some sort of Rube, Rube Goldbergian machine to get rid of, in this plan to get rid of this guy somehow. Um, and
0: in doing so find yourself
1: <laughs> right find your inner strength exactly
0: find your inner strength and your like inner purpose yeah. i will also say because i do think ashley judd is good in these movies i have oh, written yes. about her before for the film experience and i kind of called her a little bit of a pulp queen and that she sells like kind of ludicrous material and makes it incredibly yes. watchable and enjoyable um yep, agreed and she's a ta- that's a talent that not everybody has um and because- I always
1: go back to that movie that Tracy Letts movie bug in 2007 that I think is such a, a deceptively difficult role to play and I think she does it so well and like if that's if I'm going to give her one Oscar nomination that's the first one that I give her because I think she's so fantastic. I that.
0: absolutely agree that performance is incredible. I absolutely love that movie and that piece of uh theater that Tracy Letts created with it because it originated as a play. Um, No, I completely agree with you. I think she's really talented. I think we underestimate, and maybe this is partly why it was never within an Oscar conversation, is because we underestimate these performers that do that well. You brought up Jennifer Lopez and honestly, I think Jennifer Lopez is one of them as well.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I I think it's a very specific kind of a movie that calls upon an actress to be charismatic and empathetic and yet like have this kind of core of strength there or it's just like yeah i buy that i buy that she could sort of like summon up everything and then of course this is the part of the movie where tommy lee jones comes into play he's her parole officer right and sort of keeping tabs on her he's doing a very similar thing from the fugitive and that course he doesn't believe her when she says that you know my husband faked his death and he's got my son and yada 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 and of course he doesn't believe her he doesn't do the whole like the fugitive where he's like i don't care but like you can tell like that's sort of his vibe here he's like i've got a job to do i've had you know untold number of people in my charge tell me any number of stories about them being innocent i'm not gonna believe yours and yet the more he ends up having to like chase her down after she jumps uh parole jumps bail um she he starts to eventually comes to believe her and then is you know fully on her side by the end it's interesting to me okay so we get to this scene at the end um where she gets the jump on nick she sort of reveals herself down in new orleans because he's living this like secret life down in new orleans and she finds him and she sets up this meeting where she's gonna be like you give me my son and i'll like leave you alone forever And he tries to kill her again, and she ends up getting the jump on him, and she gives him that speech from the trailer where she's like, "Uh, I learned a little something in prison. It's called Double Jeopardy. I could kill you in the middle of Mardi Gras, and they couldn't do anything. I love that they both have to, like, there are two separate, like, They almost like the writer of the script was like, it's too good. I can't get rid of either one of them. Where Roma Mafia says Times Square, and she says Mardi Gras. Or it's
0: like they knew that the audience in the theater watching the trailer would be like, wait, what? oh no, we have it for you again. Let's explain this again. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then by
1: that point she says that, and like Tommy Lee Jones, who was in the room too, because he's part of this ambush, he's like, no, I'm a former law professor. That is that is true. And I always wonder whether in the movie he's being honest there and it's just the movie being dumb or if he knows better and is just sort of going along with what she's saying because they're trying to entrap uh, Bruce Greenwood at this point. Right. I don't know that's maybe a mystery to me Because ultimately the resolution To the movie you don't have to Believe in Double Jeopardy because she ends up Shooting him in self defense So Double Jeopardy need not apply
0: But Self defense is a less catchy title
1: (laughs) It's wild to me that we've never Had a movie called self defense enough could have been Called self defense Not that's not a good That's not as good of a title enough is the better Title trust me um, Yeah, it's, you know, it's a dumb little movie, but I don't think it's an unpleasant one to watch. I think it moves. I think it's, you know, two really fun central performances. It's ludicrous, but I don't know if that's the sin that maybe we thought it was, even in 1999. It surprises me that the reviews were this bad.
0: It's interesting what hindsight does to... Oscar conversations and perceptions for movies, because I remember this movie being at least as far as thrillers go taken dead seriously. Yes. Like yeah. this was a good thriller, enjoyable crowd pleaser. Yes. Movie.
1: One of the few, uh, positive reviews came from the San Francisco gate, Mick LaSalle and like San Francisco gate who, again, it was a positive review, but it mostly focused on Ashley Judd. Um, One quote I thought was really interesting. He said, Judd, who spends most of the picture in a state of controlled frenzy, makes it substantial. Her acting choices are always right and often unexpected. She smiles when other actresses would not and stays still when another would emote. Always just beneath the surface is a fierceness. Judd can make an audience really believe that she wants something. And I think that's a good point. I think it's, it's not theatrics. It's not sort of these like flashy things. I think she makes interesting small choices. Absolutely in a way that makes her like fascinating to me
0: and invites the audience in as well. So like part of why this is yes. such a crowd pleaser, because I remember my audience going wild for this movie is because we can kind of see ourselves in her a little bit, or at least she um, is kind of the trajectory for at least the emotion and the release of the movie.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also like this movie does a good job of like, giving you little like tricks and shorthand where like at the one point where she goes to jail and she's kind of like the newbie. She's like the, you know, fresh meat or whatever. And she gets bullied by Roma mafia and her not Octavia Spencer friend, even though the first at first sight, I was like Octavia Spencer, because like she will show up in an old movie and you will not expect it. You will be watching John Malkovich and being John Malkovich. And you'll just be like, Oh wait, Octavia (laughs) Spencer was the elevator lady. I think that's her actual credit
0: Um, elevator lady. Or like woman in L. It's got
1: to be. Who else could she possibly be? Yeah. Um, But so, and then there's a little bit of a jump in time. And the next thing we see, Ashley Judd is like, the prison hairstylist she's like the laverne cox of uh (laughs) this particular prison and she's just giving this like frizzy haired like disaster of a woman like little advice she's just like honey take it from me yada 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 and i'm just like no in no other case does the word honey convey so much meaning where it's just like time has passed Ashley Dudd has gotten used to prison. She's like, she's got herself together. She's in, in control. You don't have to worry about her. Like all in that, just that little sort of like tossed off sassy little, like honey, like you're a disaster.
0: There is nothing that says experience like the word honey.
1: I'm saying, I'm saying. So yeah, it is not a great movie, but I think it's a movie that is a lot of fun to watch. And Probably was a little too, I think the public maybe had the right idea in this one. It's September. It's like, whatever. Summer's over. You want to watch something fun. I would have gone to see this movie too.
0: They definitely had the right idea as far as Ashley Judd is concerned. And that's why it's partly a little bit of a bummer that it's never happened for her with Oscar. Because it was so clearly at this point in time, we just assumed that that she would be a player in something. Um, It
1: did feel like there was something where, like, uh, it's only a matter of time. And I remember when all the Weinstein stuff came out and she gave her interview and I can't remember which interview it was, um, but she talked about one of the ways she sort of, like, pushed him away and pushed him off. And one of the I think the one quote was like, when I win my Oscar, then I'll like, you know go on a date with you or whatever he wanted to do with her whatever gross like
0: and that was her way to get out of the situation
1: that was her way of getting out of the situation but I also feel like it's it's telling of you know where she was in her career where she was just like that was an ambition that was like an honest ambition of hers and you know that whatever happened with Weinstein whatever sort of like blackballing went on and whatever you know machinations he went to to like get her not considered for jobs or whatever like it's a real loss. And she's like, that was on obviously, you know, she was proud of her career accomplishments and she should have been. And that was an ambition of hers. And that that was thwarted in any way by what he did is like, I mean, obviously he's, you know, the laundry list of terrible things that Harvey Weinstein's done. I think what I'm trying to say is like, just because the fact that like on the grand scale of everything that Harvey Weinstein has done, like keeping an actress from winning an Academy award is feels like small potatoes, but it also is like, it's part of the sort of holistic view of what he did to sort of thwart these women in their careers. And I don't know. It's a shame. I
0: feel- a, Ashley Judd is a key example of how he can de- he derailed plenty of actresses, Career trajectories. Because yeah. at this point, she was on such a clear trajectory, not just for being a potential awards player, but also being a complete box office draw. Yeah.
1: And so after this, after Double Jeopardy, she again, she sort of rides the rest of that mini micro genre where she does what did we say that movie was called?
0: High Crimes. High Crimes.
1: Right. Um, and then of course like Divine Secrets of the Ya Sisterhood is a disaster um, but then she shows up and she has this like very intriguing supporting role on Frida which you know double edged sword because Frida was the movie where a lot of and there's this...
0: stories about that movie as well given to given to us by Salma Hayek
1: yeah yeah absolutely so true
0: on set for that movie and then
1: like do lovely which am I crazy to say that's a Weinstein Company movie it is not I don't know. You're every time I'm like, was this the studio? And you're just like, Joe, stop. Like it's not, you are. <laughs> no, you're much better at the studio thing than I am. I can, I can
0: remember. DeLovely was United artists while they were in their partnership with Boy, that's two
1: weeks in a row. We had to talk about United artists ephemera. Um. So, yeah, I think like, so DeLovely lovely, she gets the, the golden globe nomination and then it's really starts to fizzle. Like she's not in a movie at all for another two years. There's that movie come early morning that I remember also having like good indie buzz and didn't really come of anything um bug, which I think is great, but like had expectations problems where people were expecting a horror movie. They were sold an alien invasion movie that the marketing of bug is worth of its own podcast honestly. nightmare um yeah, and then it really just like goes away. it's like it's shocking to look at everything her career from, honestly, from after Frida, after Frida into Lovely, and it's just really too bad. I think she's an incredibly talented actress and hopefully she can sort of experience a rediscovery going forward, because I think she's really great. I
0: think that could very likely happen. I think she's still very interesting to watch, even she's now at the point where she's one of those actresses who's playing mom roles, but I would love to see her return to small movies again, because she does a lot of really interesting layers and she's a real, she's always, you believe every word coming out of her mouth. I don't think I've ever seen an Ashley Judd performance where I didn't believe what she was saying to me.
1: Agreed. So Chris, talk to us a little bit about this Oscar year, 1999. It was an interesting year in that 99 is sort of one of these hallowed years of, you know, so many great and interesting movies. And yet, The best picture category that year was so kind of comparatively underwhelming with the green mile and cider house rules and and you know nothing to sort of match the excitement of things like the matrix and and blair witch project and topsy-turvy and all these like really amazing movies happening being john malkovich which was a nominee but like not in best picture and um but i think the actresses of this year were excuse me, where, you know, Ashley Judd would have been competing. I think by the time we got to like the nitty gritty of 99, like people had really stopped talking about
0: Ashley Judd, but. It's amazing. The number of up and coming actresses, especially that the ones that were nominated that were happening this year. And you can kind of see how someone who's playing towards more of a box office genre movie would be the one that kind of gets left out in this situation. Just looking at the supporting actress lineup alone is almost all those up and coming actresses. Like you could even say Toni Collette wasn't up and coming at that point. She's nominated for The Sixth Sense, but still there wasn't, she didn't do a ton of American films after Muriel's wedding. The Sixth Sense was kind of her big introduction to American audiences. You have Angelina Jolie winning for Girl Interrupted that year. Um, The rest of the lineup, it was Sweet and Lowdown for um, Samantha Morton. Who was she gave the silent performance. You have Catherine Keener nominated in that category, which like now it's kind of crazy to think of her in that year as being kind of up and coming. But that was at least her widest introduction to a certain degree and putting her in a certain Oh, totally. Absolutely. Um, and then the final nominee is Chloe Sevigny for boys don't cry, which also she was in like the kind of weird, uh, like Harmony Korine films before that. So this was kind of like her emergence into closer to the mainstream. Yes. And then in the same film, you have probably the biggest emerging actress, Hillary Swank.
1: Right. I thought you were gonna say Angelina Jolie. I was like, I think we're okay with the Angelina Jolie.
0: No, I already said okay. Angelina Jolie.
1: Um. Yeah, Hillary Swank. This was her big sort of breakthrough. I one thing I wanted to mention earlier when we were talking about like how how accurately can I remember who had Oscar buzz from back then? I remembered an even more ephemeral source, which was I remember flipping through the channels one evening and there was a Entertainment Tonight segment about like. From the beginning of the fall, or maybe even like mid-fall, about like who's going to be up for Oscars, and they did like an Oscar preview and they mentioned Hilary Swank for Boys Don't Cry, and that was maybe the first time I had heard of this up-you know, upcoming movie called Boys Don't Cry. And I was like, oh, wow. Hilary Swank from 90210. Like, that's basically what I knew her
0: from. Um, the next Karate Kid is an Oscar player. Right.
1: And then in that same one, they mentioned Mila Jovovich for The Messenger, the story of Joan of Arc. And I always think about that, too, because that's the only place I remember that season. Anybody talking about Mila Jovovich for that movie. But I wound up being like, really? Huh? Huh? And then, like nobody else mentioned it, and I'm just like, what publicist did like their A plus like all star work getting Mila Jo- It's not like she's bad in that movie, but like it's just interesting that like that's the one place where that showed up. Anyway,
0: it's curious in the time that we're talking about, though. Too, there were a lot less sources for this type yes. of conversation, so one so little mention
1: meant more. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. So yeah, so Hillary Swank is the big sort of Oscar story this year, and I think rightly so. That actress category is a strong one, I feel. I think it's Hilary Swank. I think Annette Bening, who, flip a coin and you could have given that Oscar to Annette Bening, I think she's great in American Beauty. Julianne Moore for The End of the Affair is fantastic. Uh, Meryl Streep <laughs> for Music of the Heart, which, fine. Um... I can never get too churlish about Meryl. But just, she learned how to her. play and the cello that for
0: that movie. movie. Or the violin. Whatever the hell she plays. The
1: violin. And then, wait, who was the fifth nominee Janet in McTeer. 1999? Right, for Tumbleweeds. God, I love Janet McTeer. Although, I don't think I ever saw tumble- Tumbleweeds. Or if I did, I was like too young to appreciate
0: it. I have not Should seen Tumbleweeds. See though I also love Janet McTeer.
1: But that was also the trend back then, too, was like every year, like one actress from across the pond who gets, I guess that we sort of still do that now with like Charlotte Rampling or Isabel Huppert or whatever, where, you know, an actress from Europe who everybody has decided that like this is the performance from, you know, a non-American woman to get nominated. That was her. That was Janet McTeer that year. So, would we have been happier with an Ashley, if Ashley Judd had like made it instead of Meryl? I think
0: that Oscar history is, needs an Ashley Judd nomination. I like, I know that some people are probably cringing at that, but I think it would feel right if she had a nomination. Like, yes. She just feels like the kind of performer that, that should have happened. Yeah. But I would not say for this movie.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think that's about right. I think I would have to see like Music of the Heart again, but like, if not Meryl, there were a bunch of women that year who gave, you know, really fantastic performances that probably you could slot in there instead.
0: I haven't watched Girl Interrupted in a long time, but I remember at the time being really in on Me too. Winona
1: Ryder. On Winona Ryder. Yeah, she's wonderful on yeah. that. She really is. She truly is. Um and then of course. Reese Witherspoon in Election, one of the great, like, if we only knew, if we had any kind of foresight as to what the rest of her career was, it's obvious to me that, like, the Oscars would have wanted to have gotten in on the ground floor with her. But the dumb
0: thing at the time, I remember them pushing her for supporting.
1: Are you kidding me? Because it's Matthew Broderick's movie? God damn it.
0: And she was not an established star. Yeah. At the time. That's the lazy logic that still happens today.
1: I will say for as much as I get angry about studios refusing to acknowledge that a movie can have two leads of the same gender. It makes me, I think the thing that makes me even angrier is this idea that like, if a performer is young enough, we can just make them supporting. And it just, Oh, it just drives me crazy. Like from Haley, Joel Osment to Haley Steinfeld to like, you know, take your pick. It's like, we're not stupid. Like just cause they're a kid doesn't make them supporting. like, I don't
0: know. We will see how that comes to fruition this year. Wait, who are we talking about? Timothy Chalamet. Oh, okay. Because we
1: think he's going to be pushed and supporting.
0: I don't think they are going to have the guts to say that those are both lead performers. We'll see what we're talking. The movie. We're
1: talking about uh, boy, beautiful boy. Boyer, beautiful boy. God, beautiful boy and boy erased are going to get a lot of. Uh. Crowded headspace for me going through the rest of this year. Yes. Beautiful boy coming out this fall starring Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, yeah, that could be interesting. I mean, also haven't seen the movie yet. So like maybe he is not in the movie very much, but trailer certainly seems to suggest that he is. Right.
0: But being that he's the younger star, even though he is a yeah. best actor nominee already. Right. That right. just seems like a situation that that is possible.
1: That seems to me more along the lines of though we don't want to have two actor leads, which like is stupid, but I find it a little less stupid than the fact that, like like Haley Steinfeld being like the only like the actual female
0: lead of that movie.
1: there's nobody else in the actress, but category. it's also
0: a convergence of the two things that you hate the most. like it just it played out in Carol too, like Rooney right. Mara, you are you cannot tell me that she was not the one pushed to supporting because she's right. younger.
1: That she doesn't understand these things because she is young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, in, it's right there in the text. Uh, Ashley did. Ashley Judd did not get an Oscar for this movie. She did get another Our award, favorite. though, and I want you Our to talk favorite about awards. that.
0: It will not at all surprise any of our listeners. It did not surprise me even. I knew when I looked this up that this was definitely a Blockbuster Entertainment Awards winner. Ashley Judd won for Favorite Actress in a Suspense. She beat out Angelina Jolie for The Bone Collector and Gwyneth Paltrow for Talented Mr. Ripley.
1: I love Favorite Actress Suspense. (laughs) Like it's not just. The funny thing is, there
0: is also a Thriller category.
1: Wow, really? Who won in that for that year?
0: I will look that up, but there are multiple categories that are essentially the same fucking movies.
1: That's, I mean, God bless you, Blockbuster. Maybe they just, like, maybe for the Blockbuster Awards, they just went around their video store, and every genre that got its own little, like, designation in the video store gets its own category?
0: Well, yeah, because old video stores used to have, like, weird distinctions of, like, like... Yes, there was like drama, family, teen, but like family, family pet. drama. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. She was also a nominee at the MTV Movie Awards that year, which also makes sense because the MTV Movie Awards are the great sort of crossroads between what is popular and what is vaguely young. Like, if it's young enough, it sort of gets in, and I feel like. Ashley Judd would have counted for that. She did not win in that category. Do you want to guess who won best female performance at the 19 at the 99? Uh, or I guess it would have been 2000 MTV Movie Awards. But four this is
0: back when the MTV Movie Awards were still kind of cool, like you would have actual Oscar nominees lined up next to like blockbuster hits like this. Yeah, but it would be kind of the cool choices most of the
1: time okay so i'll give you the other four nominees you tell me who wins uh alphabetical order drew barrymore for never been kissed uh nev campbell for scream three the worst of the screams sarah michelle gellar for cruel intentions julia roberts for what runaway bride which is like that's adorable
0: sarah michelle gellar Sarah Michelle Gellar, yes. See, Won and I, my blind guess would have actually been Reese Witherspoon because my memory incorrectly told yeah. me that she was nominated.
1: Yeah. What? Did, also, wasn't MTV involved in the production of Election? Yes. Wasn't that an MTV film? Yes.
0: What the fuck? R.I.P. MTV films. Okay. So the Blockbuster Entertainment Awards. There is action, action, science fiction. There is suspense, and then there is thriller. Make of that what you will.
1: That's too much. That's too many things. It also
0: kind of speaks to like they're trying to get as many movie stars in there as they possibly can and what are are the genres that movie stars were were in.
1: I can't believe Reese Witherspoon wasn't nominated for the MTV Movie Award. That's going to bother me for a while. Ugh, Jesus. Anyway. I think
0: one little tidbit of Oscar ephemera that relates back to Double Jeopardy is Double Jeopardy is directed by Bruce Beersford.
1: Bruce Beersford, Notoriously yeah. Notoriously,
0: before Argo, the last best uh picture winner to not have their director nominated.
1: It's true. God, so many like cracks at that Oscar's about like I guess that movie directed itself. Remember how like Angry the community used to get when a director would get a best picture nominee, but not a best director nomination. And they would get so huffy. I think that all maybe happened. That might've not happened for driving Miss Daisy, but that definitely happened when like Barbara Streisand was nominated, was not nominated for directing the Prince of Tides*. It's just
0: one of those things that it's like not knowing the, I guess the ephemera that like not everyone is going to care about, but the fact that you're talking about a whole wider votership picking best picture than you are with who, the director's branch picking their director.
1: Oh, can I mention my least favorite scene in this movie before we stop talking about it?
0: Double Jeopardy? I know it's not the Roma Mafia scene because that's the most best... It's the best. Top favorite. It's my top favorite. You're absolutely right.
1: No, the scene where Tommy Lee Jones is trying to find Ashley Judd and he, like, goes to a bank or whatever and is looking for records for something, and he, like, leans on the one teller who used to be one of his, like, parolees. Oh
0: my god, that scene like made me so And like, doxes her for angry. being, like,
1: a former prostitute or whatever just so she'll give him this information that she shouldn't have to give him, like, legally. And it reminded me that, like, Oh, I watch movies in a way different way now than I used to. Where, like, I used, to, I'm sure back then I would have been like, hey, he's getting what he needs to get. And, like, haha. Like, she just got put on blast. And now I'm just like, you doxing fucking cop. Like, yeah. fuck you. Well,
0: and also, it's like, it's supposed to be funny because it's Tommy Lee Jones. He's a little scoundrel. He's And
1: like- she sort of even gives him a look like, you, like, why I oughta. But she's not like, that traumatized whereas like in real life in any kind of like realistic reaction like she's screwed at that job now everybody knows she used to be a hooker like i don't know
0: i felt bad for that actress i was like i hope that she got her full benefits of her SAG card for being taunted by tommy lee jones in this trash scene
1: not that being a hooker is shameful but you know what i mean she didn't want that information on blast
0: well and also that it just mocks her It does. It belittles her.
1: And anyway, I think it just assumes, I think it's a movie that assumes that we will be automatically on the side of a cop in a way that, like, I don't think you can make that assumption anymore, at least for a lot of audiences.
0: Right. Or that we will be on the side of Tommy Lee Jones.
1: Also, is every boarding school called St. Albans or is that just, like, a thing? Like, I thought it was so funny when they're like, where's my son? Just like, he's... Going to school at St. Albans and it was just like, okay,
0: like they're all, aren't they, Are they all, all just Saint like Albans. That? Hey Joe. Hey what? Do you want to play the IMDb game?
1: I of course want to play the IMDb game. Some
0: people know this game as known for, we call it the IMDb right. game for the purposes of this at Oscar Buzz. What the challenge is, is we will name one performer and you will have to guess the four top entries on IMDb based off of whatever their weird algorithm is.
1: God bless the algorithm. Don't besmirch the algorithm. It
0: has the its The algorithm re- is what makes it fun. It has its
1: reasons. It is weird and esoteric and unknowable. And that's what makes it fun.
0: All right. I have one for Joe. Joe is going to have one for me. Joe, yes. would you like to go first? Yes. Okay. We earlier mentioned that we both love Ashley Judd and her performance at er, and her performance in the movie Bug, her co-star also great in the film is Michael Shannon.
1: Oh, oh, this will be easy because Michael Shannon's only in like a bajillion movies every year. Okay, no TV,
0: no TV, no voiceover work though. No oh my voiceover. god, I feel like there is has not been voiceover Michael Shannon work, but I feel like that's something we're being denied.
1: Yeah, well, that should happen. That should for sure happen. Um. Well, his two Oscar nominations don't seem like they would be good fits, but I'm gonna guess nocturnal animals just to get it out of the way. No, okay. Um gosh, So many other so the things... an
0: Oscar nomination is in there.
1: Wait, Revolutionary Road? Yes, it is one of them. Correct. Wild. Okay. <laughs> I actually hate that performance, but whatever. Um. Premium
0: Rush. No. You have two no's, so I'm going to help you out. Um, yeah, two of years. these are from the same director. One, Wait, give me years on them, though. Uh, 2016 and 2011. Both of them had some Oscar conversation around it, but then one of them, it was like once we saw the movie, it really just kind of died, and it was one of those things that was like shuffled around a lot. It was a director that I think a lot of people on Twitter make fun of. I think he's kind of interesting. David O. Russell? No. Um,
1: 2011 and 2016,
0: same director. Huh. Both kind of genre. Well, one is more of a genre movie. One is like horror genre-esque a little bit. Um. That was like Michael Shannon in a big starring role at the time that we were only seeing him in supporting performances. It was a Sundance movie.
1: Oh, 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 Take Shelter. Yes. Take Shelter and... um,
0: What is the other Jeff Nichols movie? Mud? No.
1: He is in Mud, but not very much.
0: No. Um, this one, he is the lead of the movie. It got its release date shuffled a Midnight bunch of times. Midnight Special.
1: Wow. Dude, did that movie fully fall out of my head?
0: I kinda like Midnight Special.
1: I was disappointed by it and only because my expectations were really
0: high. Well, it's because Warner Brothers did this weird thing of like shuffling it around and like dating it to in like right in the middle of Oscar season and then moving it back. So when people finally saw it and they were looking at it through that context, it didn't play. That's the kid
1: from It and the Book of Henry, right? Yes.
0: Yeah. You still have one more movie and you are going to be what very year? upset that you did not get this because it is sitting right there. It is from 2017. It is a major Oscar player. It is a best picture winner.
1: Wait, what it is
0: the shape of water?
1: I always forget that he's in that movie, too. Wow. I think he's
0: everybody's least favorite thing about that movie. And I that's think that's why. true. I think that's definitely true.
1: Michael Shannon is a movie most people like a lot, or is an actor who most people like a lot more than I do. Um, but yeah, wow, okay, all right. Well done, challenging, challenging work. I am going to give you an actress we have mentioned a couple times in this podcast already in relation to the types of movies that she makes. Uh, Jennifer Lopez. Ooh,
0: Jennifer Lopez. The choices are yours. Selena. No. How is Selena not? Oh, This is when the algorithm sucks. Yep. Um, The cell. No. God, all the right. ones that
1: I love. Two strikes okay. and now you get years. Uh, two of them are from 2002, one from 2003, and one from 2015.
0: Dang, so they're all back to back. Is one of them enough? Yes.
1: One of okay. them is enough. On the poster, do you want to know what the tagline of that movie is? Yes. Everyone has a limit. Enough. <laughs> I love
0: it. So I would good. love if the tagline had been Enough is Enough and then the title <laughs> Enough. Yes. All right. What else you got? Uh the No, that's not called the Breakup. It's called um Wait a minute. What was the same year as Enough? Uh
1: Romantic Comedy. Where she's on the poster twice, once sort of daydreaming of a better life. Oh, made in once... Manhattan. Yeah, there you go. Is Geely <laughs> um, one of them? Yes, okay. that's the 2003 okay,
0: one. So I got the 2015, which is the newest one. What are her semi new? Is it that? Is it that terrible? movie don't you say terrible first of all i will not regard i will not acknowledge your answer if you call <laughs> okay. it terrible I, I never said that i never said that but i have not seen this yet but it looks stupid like i would love it is it um what is it called um it was the
1: best time i had in a theater that whole year i guarantee you the the, the, the was boy so next door much fun the boy next door yeah yeah not terrible super Justice fucking for fun. selena that's what i will say Justice for Selena. Justice for Selena. Justice for Out of Sight. Justice for like a few. Justice a few for The Cell.
0: I'm definitely one of those weird gay people that is like riding hardcore for The Cell.
1: <laughs> oh, who was that director?
0: Tarsem. Right.
1: Remember when he would have a movie every few years and like that, like that little cadre of like Tarsem gays was just like the best movie, like <laughs> the, the, the visually audacious and whatever. And I'd just be like, OK, like I'm just not going to see it. Um, whatever that Lee Pace movie that he made that I never saw. The fall. Anyway, well done. Well well guessed. Do we have any last thoughts on Double Jeopardy? Um, or the ephemera surrounding Double Jeopardy? Are we fully clear on the fact that if we get falsely accused of murdering somebody and convicted, that doesn't mean then we can get out of again. jail and kill them? Yeah. Don't do that no matter how likable the character actress is who tells you to do it.
0: I guess the clo- my closing note for this movie would be, it is interesting to think of this movie as having had any type of Oscar conversation, and then we forget that it had it at all. Because it makes you wonder what, say, of the 2017 movies that would have been a This Had Oscar Buzz movie, that in 15 years we'll think is crazy that we ever no
1: one remembers that we all thought talked ourselves into star trek being a best picture contender in 2009 and yet we fully that's an interesting
0: case though because that's part of the conversation for expanding to the 10 and the purposes that people thought were why they were doing this
1: right they all thought it would benefit they thought it would benefit pixar which it did and franchise 10 polls when it did what what it benefited was pixar and unusual blockbusters like that's such a
0: that was such an interesting year though i would be willing to bet that that star trek movie got closer than most franchises didn't it get like a
1: pga nomination (laughs) or something like that like it probably did yes it did so did fucking deadpool so the pga is dead to me um that's all for this week
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes and that's our episode if you want more this had oscar buzz you can check out the tumblr at this had dot, tumblr dot com. you should also check out our twitter account at had underscore oscar underscore buzz joe where can the listeners find you and your stuff
1: um every day you can find me at decider.com talking about movies and TV and everything that is on streaming. I am also on Twitter at Joe Reed. That's Reed is spelled R E I D and yeah, come follow me and find me.
0: I'm also on Twitter. I'm at Chris V. File. That's V F E I L. And you can also read me at the film experience. I'm there talking about soundtracks, Oscar ephemera, um, and lots of other fun things. We'd also like to thank Kyle Cummings for his fantastic artwork and Dave Gonzalez for his technical guidance. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Five star review would be super appreciated. It helps us move up in the ranks so that we can get more lovely this night. Such as yourselves. Um, and after all, we are a podcast that knows the value of accolades. That's all for this week, but we hope you'll be back next week for more Buzz. Everyone's
1: a, hey, a winner, baby. That's no lie. It's no
0: lie. You never to Satisfy. It's it's